With sensing and intuition, 70% of people are sensors and only 30% are intuitives. Um, and this is interesting because if you think about marketing, most marketing is really geared towards pointing towards the future and wanting to help people think outside of the box. Um, but when you recognize that 70% of the population are sensors, that means there's a majority of people who are kind of comfortable with the way things are and or the way things have been or are maybe a little bit resistant to change. And so that Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative businesses find more clients and build their brands. I'm your host, Davey Jones, and today we're chatting with Elisa Watson. She is the co-founder of the drag-and-drop website building platform, Show It, and she's also a personality expert. Today, she's chatting with us about the various personality types and how having an understanding of your personality can lead to better relationships. So let's get started. All right. Cool. All right, so uh, to give people a little bit of background, um, I met Elisa at the uh, giant uh, at a giant retreat, um, and giant puts on these. Uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. How would I explain this? Um, leadership training retreats. Yeah, they they do a leadership training program, and and it lasts over the course of a year. And there's four retreats, and so when you go, you get um, put in different groups. And so uh, me and you, we were putting uh, in a group together, and that's when. Uh, I met you for the first time and was able to, uh, to get to know you through the course of the year. Yeah. And, um, w- you know, one thing I noticed really quickly was that, um, you were always so slow to speak. Um, but every time you did speak, uh, you were super articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always admired that about you. And I think that anybody who's been to uh, show it United and sort of the last two years, um, you've given, you know, an opening talk. And, uh, I think that's something that other people, um, realize right, right away is, Oh, wow. You know, uh, everything, uh, even that talk, it's not super long, but it's uh, jam packed of just uh, good stuff. And even beyond that, um, especially around personalities, uh, and personality tests and learning about oneself, um, you always seem to be able to take it that much deeper. So I'm excited to talk to you about all the different personality tests out there uh, and pick your brain about a couple things. Um, I've always been bad about trying to uh, make that kind of stuff practical uh, in my life. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to explore some of that stuff with you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that intro. I'm really excited to be here and to talk about it. Yeah. So, um, you are a co-owner of show it and you do a lot of this kind of stuff with uh, the show it team, right? So kind of on, um, uh, maybe a monthly or quarterly basis, you meet with them and you kind of talk over, uh, you know, personality types and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think that personally, the personality stuff, I enjoy it most in terms of how it applies to relationships. So I think it has a lot of value for husbands and wives to know, um, for parents to know about their kids, but that definitely translates to the workplace also. Um, I think it has a lot of application in, in our office 
interactions and relationships, and then even in terms of how people uh, think about their job and their role and how that kind of fits into the bigger picture of a company. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it has a lot of application. How did you, how did you become interested in, in general? Cause I feel like, uh, I mean, it's always interesting to learn a little bit about yourself and I always enjoy going and taking the personality types, but, um, you always seem to, you know, be able to take it deeper, you know, whatever mm-hmm. we were learning at giant, you always, you know, uh, could under, you under, you understood, I think the, um, you know, the different nuances between, uh, the different personality types. Yeah. Yeah, well, my parents have always really enjoyed these kinds of conversations and this topic. And I remember when I was in sixth grade, I took a Myers-Briggs personality test at school. They had us all do it just kind of for fun. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about it. But when I brought my results home, my parents right away knew what I was talking about. And they they both knew their personality type. And so over the years, we kind of would occasionally have conversations about this. And um. So it had always sort of been on the periphery for me, like something I was familiar or, you know, sort of vaguely familiar with for a long time. And then um, in the months leading up to going to Giant for the first time, uh, Todd, my husband and I had been talking about that a little bit more and um, seeing the value possibly and sharing it with our team and kind of exploring it in the workplace too. So at that point I started studying it more in depth, but I feel like I've sort of grown up around conversations about personality and self-assessment and my sister has always been very knowledgeable about this stuff too so we've had a lot of fun conversations and I have a good friend who I actually do a podcast with and um, we talk a lot about personality on there it's always been sort of a sort of a hobby of hers too so I've just been around it I've always enjoyed it yeah and we'll definitely uh, link to that uh, podcast in the show notes and um, a large part of that podcast is talking about you know personality types uh, yeah. signs of life s-i-n-e-s uh, S I G N S. Um, and we'll go into, uh, we'll go into why, uh, here in a second. So, um, what are, what are the kinds of things that you do with the show it team, um, you know, to help them work better together and, and relate better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is most people struggle when it comes to self-assessment. Um, it's not something that comes super easily, easily or naturally for, for most people. And so I think that one of the most valuable things about these personality tools is that it gives you sort of a framework for how to self-assess. And I think that's so important in terms of being successful. Um, And so with the team, we've just kind of taken the Myers-Briggs mostly. Um, We haven't talked about the other personality tests um, over in that context, but with Myers-Briggs, we've sort of looked at each piece of personality and uh, what that means and what that looks like. And like recently we've been breaking into groups and having conversations about, you know, what it means to be an introvert, what it means to be an extrovert and kind of having conversations with each other and helping each other understand what that looks like. And um, we've had a few conversations over the years or over the months about, you know, how that can apply uh, these concepts even to marketing mindsets and things like that too. But uh, yeah, like you said, once a month, these days we're getting together and just kind of looking at a different piece of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, speaking of self-awareness and self-reporting, yeah. um, even with a personality test, one thing that I really struggle with is uh, I think I project what I would rather be like, you know, uh-huh. so you get the, you get the scope, you know, on any given test, like, you know, I guess, which one do you relate to the best or which one describes you the best? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I would love to be the early riser, 
you know, quick to work, uh, you know, that, that sort of guy. Uh-huh. Um, and so sometimes I find myself a little bit, uh, you know, maybe almost cheating, like just projecting like, Hey, I wish I was this person. So I selected uh-huh. that one. Yeah. Do you have any tips on like completing those kinds of tests, uh, you know, more accurately? One right. thing, um, that I had, uh, Chris to do actually is I had her take the test for me or I, we, you know, we do this occasionally if we're, we're into a couple different ones, like, uh, uh-huh. you know, the 16 personalities one for Myers-Briggs and then, um, uh, there's a, there's a couple other such as strength finders. Um, and so I've had her complete those for me before. And it's interesting to see what results she gets completing it for me versus the results that I get for myself. Oh yeah. Have they been different? Yeah. So, you know, for Myers-Briggs for instance, and I, and I'd love to uh, spend some time talking about the letters and, and the distinction between them with you. Um, but I, uh, I'm an ENFJ, uh, self, you know, when I take the test, I'm an ENFJ, when I take the test or when she takes the test for me, I'm an ENFP. Okay. Uh, she is an ISTJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I 100% believe that. Um, so the, the discrepancy is between the, uh, the J and the P. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think maybe standing next to her, I'm definitely a P. Um, right. but, uh, you know, I think if you were to ask like my friends, like when I was in college and I was living with a bunch of other guys, I definitely behaved like a J uh-huh. for sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, what you're describing about projecting who you want to be when you're taking the test or even having different results, depending on when you take it or who's taking it is really, really common. And, uh, speaking to what you just mentioned, the fact that she she sees you as a P and you test as a J, which we can talk more about in a minute here. But uh, anytime you're comparing yourself against somebody who's really strong in one of those letters, it can be easy to think, well, I, I'm not that strong. So I must be the opposite yeah, type. Yeah. And um, it's a continuum. So you may fall very close to the middle where she may fall much further to one side, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually on the other side. And in, ter- and in terms of projecting, um, I think going back to that idea that self-assessment is hard, I think these tests really are most useful if you actually spend some time um, thinking about them and exploring what they mean. Because just taking a test and moving on, you know, you're going to, that's not really getting into it deeply enough to understand what it all means. But I think the more you explore these ideas and the more you understand about them, the more accurately you can test. And so a lot of people will test one way in the beginning. And then as they start to study it and learn a little bit more about it, they'll go back and take a closer look at all of those letters and realize where maybe one or two of them were off, but that's kind of a process. And sometimes it's a, or often it can be a really humbling process. Cause like you said, you have a certain way that you would like to be, uh, but that doesn't necessarily reflect what your natural tendencies are. Yeah. And I think through that process, I mean, it can be humbling at times, but it also can be, I think relieving, you know, just, uh, to, to realize, okay, maybe this, this is why I act this way, you know, for better or worse. Uh, and I knew that for, um, Krista was able to join us for the last two retreats sort of, um, -hmm. you know, she wasn't there for all four of them, but, uh, and that was, you know, my one regret there was that we didn't get her signed up, uh, to go through that together because I think those last two where she was starting to process this stuff too, and we could talk about it made a huge difference in our marriage. Uh, yeah. And we made some adjustments to how we were feeling. But before we get uh, too far into that, I'd love to spend some time here on the Myers-Briggs uh, yeah. test. And I know there's a ton other out there, and I do want to talk to about a couple other uh, fun ones with you as well. Um, 
but can you give us just an overview of the Myers-Briggs test and, you know, and kind of like what, what the potential results could be? Yeah, sure. Um, so, and if, if anyone's looking for a good one to take, uh, online tests aren't always the most accurate. And yet uh, the 16personalities.com, which is the one that you just mentioned a minute ago, is a pretty good one. Um, so that's a good starting place if, uh, if someone hasn't ever heard of this before and is interested in finding out what their type might, might be. Uh, and I feel like they have a lot of information too around the, mm -hmm. like what, what the results are too. Right, right. Yeah, so that's a, that's a pretty good starting point. Um, yeah, so with Myers-Briggs, when you take that test, your results will come back with a four-letter kind of code for who you are. Um, actually, at 16personalities.com, they tack on a fifth letter at the end. Um, they're the only ones that do that, and you don't really have to worry too much about that fifth letter. Uh, the four letters are the ones that are significant here. And the first letter will come back as either an I or an E, which is for introversion or extroversion. And those words are really familiar familiar to people, I think, right now. Um, however, what they mean may be less so. Um, I think there's sort of this general idea that introversion has to do with not really liking people or being social, where extroversion has to do with, with always wanting to be sociable. And what it really comes down to isn't about being a people person or not, but where you're deriving your energy from. Um, so an introvert and an extrovert can go to the same event or party and enjoy it just as much. But that event or party is going to be draining the battery of the introvert where it's going to be filling up the battery of the extrovert. So when it's done, somebody who's introverted is going to want to go home and decompress and have some alone time where the extrovert is going to be looking for the after party. So both, both people can enjoy social interactions, possibly just as much as each other. Um, but while it's filling one up, it's draining the other. So introverts get their energy from being alone and extroverts get their energy from being with others. So where do you score on that ERI? I'm an introvert, although I do fall a little closer to the middle on it, uh, mm -hmm. but definitely an introvert. Yeah. And is it 16 personalities? If I remember correctly. They give you like a percentage, Yes. you know, from, from zero to a hundred essentially of where yes. you fall within that letter. And I think mm -hmm. that's super helpful too. Again, I think so too. Yeah. We're not there yet, but Krista's like a hundred percent Jay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and extra, I mean, even things like this, I mean, uh, getting ready for this interview today and I was just telling you, it's kind of, um, you know, rainy weather. Like I said, the, the kind of weather where you just want to curl up on the couch all day. Uh, but Krista was like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get into those interviews and you're going to immediately, you know, find some energy. And so uh -huh. I definitely think that, uh, E is the, is the right letter, um, for me. So there, I don't yeah. think there's any, any confusion there with uh, whether <laughs> or not. So, well, and this has some ramifications in the workplace um, in terms of those workplace interactions because extroverts tend to be verbal processors and are pretty comfortable um, talking through their ideas even before they're entirely sure of themselves, where introverts prefer to work through everything um, in their own heads before piping up. And so when you have like group meetings and things like that, um, you may see a tendency for extroverts to kind of dominate the conversation. And that's a good thing to be aware of in those settings is to maybe provide the opportunity for introverts to speak first or to even allow some silences here and there um, and create that opportunity. For you and Todd, Todd's an E, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you guys find this, but it's definitely true of uh, me and Krista. And I, I tend to be more of the dreamer of the two of us. And so I'll just kind of spit things out. And like you said, it, it part of it's just processing, you know, mm -hmm. part of it's just, 
Um, I know a lot of it to her probably just sounds like nonsense, but um, part of it is just processing and, and, and that's can be overwhelming for her because yep. she's because she's thinking like oh he when he says like when he comes up with an idea it she she immediately takes it as me pitching it uh-huh her. whereas yeah. i might not be like necessarily pitching it i'm just talking through it yeah. um and a lot of times by the time by the time i get through it you know i've realized this is this is a ridiculous idea uh-huh. we're never, never going to do this so that was it i mean that was eye opening for us just that yeah. um she needs to sometimes let me um you know talk through the idea completely um, and, uh, uh, likewise for her, you know, letting, like you said, letting her get a word in, uh, about that stuff. Yep. Do you find yeah. that with Todd at all? Um, oh yes. And actually, as we talk through each of these letters, he and I are opposite on every one of them. So <laughs> we're able to really kind of speak to both sides of all of these. Um, when it comes to the introversion, extroversion, he and I both test a little closer to the middle. Uh, so he's less extroverted than some, and I'm less introverted than some. So we're we're opposites on that one, but not actually too far apart in terms of our styles. But yes, we do have that same that same experience for sure. Yeah, and I actually, th- when I met Todd for the first time, thought he was an I. Um, and really, I, you know, I got to know him through this the same giant program that I got to know you at. Um, but again, I think that just speaks to you know both of you in. Uh, in purposefulness of speaking, you know, like you guys really, I feel like think through the things that you say, uh, and I could probably take a lesson, uh, in that <laughs> occasionally. So, but anyways, moving on to, uh, the next set of letters. Yeah. Yeah. So the next two are either going to be an S or an N. Um, S is for sensing and N is for intuition. The I was taken with introversion. So it's intuition. Um, that's the N. And that has to do, uh, it's referred to as our perceiving function, and it has to do with how you take information in. And so sensors take information in through their five senses, and intuitives take information in, of course, through their senses also, but there's also sort of an element of a gut instinct that intuitives are using also. And so sensors are looking at what things are, and intuitives are looking at things um, and thinking about what could be. Um, sensors tend to focus a little more on where we've come from um, and place value on on systems that are already in place, things that are already working, and intuitives are trying to think a little more outside of the box and move us forward. There's a little more innovation coming from intuitives, and there's a little more of holding on to tradition coming from sensors. And so how does that play out in uh, in the workspace? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because there's a discrepancy, um, a percentage discrepancy on this one. With with the others, um, the population is divided pretty evenly, like uh, introverts and extroverts are about 50-50 in the population. Uh, With sensing and intuition, 70% of people are sensors and only 30% are intuitives. Um, And this is interesting because if you think about marketing, most marketing is really geared towards pointing towards the future and wanting to help people think outside of the box. Um, but when you recognize that 70% of the population are sensors, that means there's a majority of people who are kind of comfortable with the way things are and, or the way things have been or are maybe a little bit resistant to change. And so that comes, I mean, certainly there's the element of the interpersonal relationships in the workplace also, but I think this one is really interesting when it comes to thinking about branding and marketing. Um, because you have to think about how how it's going to reflect who you are, but then also the audience that you're trying to appeal to um, and recognizing that 
sometimes as marketers with a product, you have to be helping people be willing to embrace that kind of change and not force it or make it feel scary, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you find in the, uh, in the show at office specifically that there's like, what's the, is the breakdown about 70, 30? Um, do you find that there's more, um, sensors than there are intuitives? Uh, just well, because I'm just thinking of like that. the, the, like, uh, what the jobs that they're, I mean, the programming. Right. Um, and I, and I feel like Krista has that, uh, similar mind, you know, she's definitely an S, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so how does that look in the show at office? Well, strangely, we actually just were looking at the statistic a couple of weeks ago, and we're flipped in the show at office. We have a higher percentage of intuitives in the office than censors, but that's really unusual. And we were kind of debating why that may be. I mean, it's possible that there are people in our office who have mistyped and are Mm -hmm. actually S's. Um, That's possible. It's also possible that it's the industry that we're in and it's drawn, you know, people who love technology and are excited about you know, where this software is headed, you know, that we may be attracting people that are kind of out of the box thinkers. So yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's flipped in our office. And I, I think you may see that in different in- industries also, but in the population at large, it's, it's, uh, that's really interesting. I would think, uh, just having a bunch of programmers, you know, um, and is it, is there, is there a discrepancy, um, between uh, male, female, as far as the breakdown? Not on this one. Not on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The next one there is. Yes. Um, what about money? I would think that, uh, somebody who's managing money, uh, is more of a, uh, S instead of an N. Yes. Or, yeah. Yep. In fact, um, the, the gal who takes care of that for, uh, for us at Showa is also an ISTJ, like your wife. Um, yeah. And Krista I, takes care I of I think that's the us. perfect personality <laughs> oh, to for be sure. looking for at sure. budgets and things like that. Yeah, because I'm getting sold on you know uh, the marketing that's being put in front of me all the time, and oh, yeah. I, I have Krista to, to reel me in. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, and that's that's a great example of how to balance because you've got you know in your case you have you that are you know you're excited about possibilities and sort of moving forward, and she's the one who's wisely pulling the reins in at times, you know. And you see that in a company also. I mean, you really need both. You need the out of the box thinkers and the ones who are making sure that everything's you know wise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So moving on to the next letters, so we have uh, E versus I. Hey friends, we're gonna take a quick 60 second break so I can introduce you to one of my favorite companies and the sponsor of this episode, ShowIt. ShowIt is a drag and drop website building platform created especially for photographers and creative entrepreneurs. It's used by some of the biggest names in the creative industry from Amy and Jordan Demos to Caitlin James, and it's what we built our website on too. What's awesome about ShowIt is that it's both powerful and easy to use. The intuitively designed website builder makes it easy to change colors, fonts, images, and objects. Finally, a website you can update on your own without having to hire a designer for every tiny change. It's Google-friendly, and you can design the desktop and mobile versions of your website side-by-side to ensure your website looks great on any device. And you can even integrate a WordPress blog with your show at website, making it that much more powerful. And guess what? They have tons of free and premium professionally designed website templates to help you get started. But what makes ShowIt such a special company is their customer support. They're super responsive and are there to help every step of the way. You can even save 10% on an annual subscription by using the code BTBSHOW. For more information, check out the show notes. And now back to our episode. Yeah, yeah, for 
for sure. Yeah. So moving on to the next letters. So we have uh, E versus I, S versus N. Now we have F versus T. That's right. And this is feeling versus thinking. Um, and I don't like those words <laughs> because it feels like, it feels like. Um, <laughs> for a feeler, if you're not a thinker, that makes it sound like you're not a thinker. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's not it doesn't mean that feelers aren't capable of thinking, but uh, feeling and thinking is called our judging function and it has to do with how you make decisions. And so it, it really, in a nutshell, comes down to an ability to detach or not. And so a thinker um, can hold ideas off to the side of them and people can shoot holes in that idea and it doesn't impact them personally because that idea is held safely out to the side. So if you don't like their idea, it doesn't reflect poorly on them. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It just means you don't like the idea and they're able to look objectively at that idea and decide whether or not to salvage it or to, you know, ditch it and move on. And so thinkers are able to detach in terms of their own, like how things reflect on them personally. And they're also able to detach in terms of, um, how things are going to affect others. Not that they don't take that into consideration, but their thought process is more logical based more on data and statistics and logic. Um, and so they're able to look at things a little more objectively. Meanwhile, feelers uh, are much less detached. That's, that's more of a difficulty for feelers. And so where the thinker has that idea safely out to the side of them, feelers hold it right in front of their heart. And so if you attack a feeler's idea, it feels to them as though you're attack attacking them because they attach their ideas to their identity. And so in terms of how things reflect themselves, um, they are not detached, they're attached. And in terms of how things affect other people also, um, they may very well be logical in their thought processes also, but they are taking into account how other people are gonna feel about a decision, how it's gonna impact other people. Um, they're much more aware of the personal impacts um, where thinkers are focused more on whether something actually makes sense. So where do you fall on the last two? Um, so on that one, I'm a feeler and that was a harder one. I, like I would like to be a thinker. <laughs> I, me, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to, because I think uh, again, that sums, that sums what you were saying about feelers holding ideas close to their heart. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, definitely, definitely sums, uh, sums me up. I think, uh, I would yeah. love to be able to take things less personally. Right. And I, I've grown in that. Like I, I can stay detached for much longer now than I used to be able to, but there always comes a point in, in any conversation that feels, you know, touchy in some way where I start to take things personally and I, I try not to, but it's, oh, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's definitely hard. I think I probably score pretty high as far as a feeler goes. Yeah. Uh, and I always, you know, sometimes I, I lament that to, to Krista, you know, I wish that, I wish that, um, nurture, you know, and a lot of this is nature versus nurture. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I wish I could nurture that, uh, that tea a little bit right. more. So right. I feel that too. And you know, one way, um, that people talk about all of these dichotomies, they're called, um, the two letters in each category is comparing it to being right-handed or left-handed. Um, and actually, I'm glad you just said nurture versus nature because the, the theory behind Myers-Briggs is that this is part of our nature. We're born with it just as we're born to be right-handed or left-handed, uh, but our, our nurture affects quite a bit. And um, going back to the right-handed, left-handed thing, 
I will always be right-handed, but I can do things to strengthen my left hand. And so it's not that I'm all right-handed all the time. Um, I'm not all feeler all the time. I can do things to strengthen that left hand, the thinking side, but um, it's not going to change the fact that I am a right-handed person. Yeah, for sure. And for Chris and I, um, I mean, that that's probably one of the biggest things I think we've had to work through working together on a daily basis. I mean, also just being married, right? Because even if we didn't work together, we're going to see each other often. Um, but again, I mean, as an extrovert and as just kind of processing ideas verbally and throwing things out there, uh, you know, as I come across them or learn them or whatnot, uh, or come up with them, um, again, Krista is kind of, she'll she'll start asking me questions about them, you know, and she's not... She's just trying to almost, she's vetting the idea, essentially. You mm -hmm. know, she's wondering, okay, is this a, um, is this something we can actually implement or not? And uh, I'll, I'll take that as, you know, a personal attack. Like what, yep. you know, uh, and, and part of it, again, it's just that distinction between her needing to give me a little bit of time to process that stuff verbally mm -hmm. before piling on a, a million different questions about whether, yeah. uh, you know, that's a good idea yeah. um, or not. So that's been something that we've had to work through. Where yeah. does, um, so where do you fall on S versus N? Oh, I'm an S. Okay. So, uh, I S F. F. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I S F so far. Um, and then I am E E N F mm -hmm. uh, so far. I think if there is one letter though, that I wish I could change, it would be, um, that one. Yeah, F to a T. You know, I don't, I feel like I don't care as much about the other letters. That's uh -huh. the one I wish that I could switch a little bit, but, yeah. oh, well, um, <laughs> again, is there a, you know, in the office, uh, is there, uh, what's the breakdown look like and, and how do you, um, what are some of the ramifications for, you know, working with others who are the opposite of you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, in our office, it's our, the statistics are a little surprising. We have a higher number of F's than I would anticipate, especially, um, you had asked about gender breakdown and on this one, thinking versus feeling, the population at large is divided 50-50, but 70% uh, of women are feelers and only 30% are thinkers. And then it's switched for men. 70% of men are thinkers and 30% are feelers. And so we, we have a higher percentage of men in the show at office. And so it's kind of surprising that we have a higher percentage of feelers also. And I'm not really sure why that is. Um, I would but, assume it have to at least a little bit to do with the industry. You know, I mean, the, I think the industry is predominantly women. You know, yeah. and so it would make sense for, um, you know, a company like Show It uh, that does really well and serves that community really well um, to be more in jive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, with yeah, absolutely. Like, F well, even if you look at our support team, um, I mean, they have to understand all the technology and stuff, yeah. and yet they're also a lot of it that the majority of support is interpersonal and they're interacting with people all day every day and that that f is able to sort of help create connections yeah so i'm so. sure that's a huge strength uh you know for the for the team or to a certain extent yeah um, yeah yeah also maybe hard for i mean i could imagine it also being a little hard for support too you know taking ideas personally and things like <laughs> that especially when you, if you have a frustrated uh if you have a frustrated client or customer <laughs> right but uh, moving on to now J versus P. Yeah, to figure out what you are. <laughs> yeah, so I am, um, like I said, I, I, I think, I mean, I test as a J. Mm -hmm. I, Chris is still to this day swears that I'm, I'm a P. Uh -huh. um, I'm not quite as organized as her. But like, you know, if, if it were up to me uh, to clean the house, you know, I would do that 
once a week, probably. Whereas Krista wants to, Krista, you know, before we had a Roomba, which is the greatest, I mean, it's the greatest invention of all time because Krista, (laughs) we had dogs too. So she would vacuum every single day. Uh Now we don't have to do that because we have a Roomba. But, um, you know, like uh, I'm just happy like vacuuming once or twice a week, you know, but Uh she would want to vacuum every single day. You know, Uh like my, Uh I kind of know where everything is on my desk here, but it's not as necessarily clean you know, as, uh, as her desk is. Yeah. Uh, well, and so you're talking about your physical environment, which is a big part of this J versus P thing. And, and it's the way that it's most apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so J and P stand for judging and perceiving, and it has to do with how we order our worlds, whether or not we like things to be decided and structured or whether we like things to be open, um, and, or, there's more adaptability coming from P's and more structure coming from J's. And so we see that most in our environments. And so what you're describing about Krista loving for things to be tidy and clean, and I can super resonate with that, (laughs) Um, except I have four boys. (laughs) It's getting harder and harder to keep things clean. But um, there's also an element of scheduling too. And so for some J's, they can let some things go in their environment as long as they kind of know what to expect in their days. Like if their Mm -hmm. day is scheduled, then maybe they're okay with a little clutter in their environment. Um, And for peas, they may have a clean home, but they really want to stay adaptable in their schedules and uh, reserve the right or the ability to be spontaneous. And so um, you'll see that both in scheduling and in environment, and it may show more in one way or the other. Is there any, is there any uh, gender difference here? No, no, this is 50-50 across the board. Yeah, and so um, again, I think uh, maybe it has to do with my environment too. Um, you know, in college, I was definitely the J of the group, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the house being crazy drove me nuts. Uh, I would have a schedule every day you know, in terms of like when I did my studying, when I didn't, and when I was at class and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, living with Krista, maybe, um, you know, I think part of it is just because I know, you know, she's going to do certain things. Uh, and so maybe I let, I personally let some of those things go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that could be, uh, that could be it as well. But I do think I am pretty, I'm pretty, I, I stand firm against, you know, Krista when she, when she argues that I'm actually, <laughs> But it's probably close, you know, I'm probably, yeah. I probably test, um, you know, pretty close to the middle there. Um, well, and I would say on the, on this one, um, I don't have a statistic to back, back this up, but it's my opinion that this one, we're kind of, we see more changes with this one maybe than with any of the others, because um, like some people have a job that requires one or the other of them. Like maybe somebody is very much a P but they work at a job that requires them to be very structured. And so they're operating as a J from nine to five every day. Um, Or maybe they're a J, but they have a job that's kind of always keeping them on their toes. And so they're operating as a P from nine to five. And I think if you see business partners working together or in the case of a husband and wife, um, like what you just said, if you have two J's, one may relax a little bit to, to take sort of more of the spontaneous role. Or if you have two P's, one may become more structured because they realize that somebody has to be (laughs) to keep life running smoothly. Um, And so I think a lot of people spend a lot of time behaving maybe slightly out of their Mm -hmm. type on this one for one reason or another. 
Yeah. And that, and that makes total sense. And I think when we were going through that program together, there were a couple business partners there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one, it seemed like all the time would be act, even if there were two P's, let's say one mm-hmm. would be acting as the J just to keep yeah. the business, you know, running and successful and moving forward. Yeah. Um, it really makes sense. So each of these four letters, um, yeah. So like uh, for 16 personalities, for instance, we'll spit out like the comp- campaigner or the protagonist. And I, I think that's, is that made up by 16 personalities? Yeah. Okay. Every website, every book who does these, te- they all come up with their own names. Yeah. And then that. they can yeah. kind of give you the general gist of that specific um, personality type. And so we don't have time to talk about every single combination uh, right. of each, but just to review. So you were I S F J. That's right. Okay, cool. And what's Todd just out of He's ENTP. ENTP. So, yeah. for, so across the board opposite opposites. Yep. And pretty much the same for Krista and I, Krista being an ISTJ. Um, J is the only uh, similarity. Yeah. Uh, even though it's contested. <laughs> so um, is there anything uh, in particular that's, uh, you know, um, come up in the show at office, um, you know, like ramifications of working through this kind of stuff um, together? Um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I know for a fact, because I've had conversation like one-on-one conversations with a few people where I know that this has been beneficial in terms of, um, uh, understanding coworkers and kind of creating some smoothness and communication and um, even just understanding why they're so different in the way that they operate or the way they make decisions and think through things. And so um, I, I know that there's at least been some relational benefit to this. Yeah. And I think that's huge uh, actually going through this stuff because we can make assumptions about, you know, one another. And, and that was one of the rules while we were at this leadership program was don't assume mm-hmm. somebody else's personality type. Um, because you're often wrong, you know, and, uh, but actually sitting down and, and, and working through this stuff together, um, you know, I think it opens you up to, to other people, you know, and so yeah. other people can see more clearly both blind spots for themselves, uh, but then also how they need to, uh, communicate or interact with the people around them. And for many of the people listening, they're probably not working, uh, within a team as big as, uh, show it. But I know personally, uh, just for Chris and I, and I think even regardless of whether we were working together full time as a husband wife team, that would have been, um, you know, we would have benefited, uh, we're just from doing this for our own marriage. Oh yeah. So, uh, what are some other, I mean, there's a million other tests out there. First of all, um, you know, I guess which ones are research back, which ones are not because I, every, you know, I have friends who are in the, uh, into, uh, the anemium, anemium gram, anemium Okay. Yeah. And I can never pronounce it. So I'm not yeah. going gonna, gonna to try to pronounce it again, uh, during the show. Um, but you know, for instance, that one, you know, like, like which ones out there, um, actually have some research, you know, kind of backing up, uh, you know, their testing methods and results and so on. Right. Uh, are there other ones? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's kind of a, um, uh, debated, concept out there because I saw an article recently from a psychologist who was saying that Myers-Briggs just has no substantial psychological backing for it but then you Mm -hmm. can read plenty of other things that will cite many studies and um, I mean I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist so I don't you know I I'm not sure how they would describe one study over another as having more validity or not Mm -hmm. Um, but 
most people out there who are supporters of one of these methods for typing personality will say that they've got plenty of research to support it. Um, and other people will say that it's garbage. So, mm -hmm. um, the Enneagram for instance has been around for at least a couple thousand years. And so it has a lot of history to it and a lot of anecdotal support, but I don't think it has a whole lot of research behind it, even though sure. it's been around so long. Um, same with the forced temperaments that goes back to what was it? The fifth century BC. Um, Hipp Hippocrates was the one, the sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic, those four temperaments. Um, so they've been around a really long time, but and that's uh, something that you become, that specific one is something you've become interested in recently, right? Um, the four temperaments. Yep. I, I actually haven't spent a lot of time looking at that one. I mean, it, it, it's a little more basic, mm -hmm. I would say. And, um, it, and it's, I've sort of been vaguely aware of it all along, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking closely sure. at it. So, I think the Strength Finders book um, and the Strength Finders uh, program, they definitely have a lot of research and statistics. Again, maybe not psychological, but at least in terms of um, polling people and observing people. And um, they've got a lot of statistics backing the work that they're doing. And I feel like for that test specifically, a lot of companies out there do that uh, and provide that test for their employees. I know that yeah. Krista, when she first got out of college, she's working for a nonprofit, a big nonprofit, and they uh, they had everybody you know take the strength finders and go through that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something that she's had me go through uh, since. Um, so what are you, which ones are your favorite? Well, Myers Briggs for sure. Yep. Um, I. I like it because I feel like it explains a lot about who we are and how we operate, but still leaves lots of room um, for nuance. Uh, I mean, you can, some try to get very much more specific and some try to stay much more vague. I feel like this, I feel like Myers-Briggs is specific enough to be useful um, without being so specific as to be confining. Um, so you can have, you know, I'm an ISFJ, you can have another ISFJ who's maybe a little more melancholy or, you know, like you, cause th those are certain things that other tests might try to add in as further identifiers, but Myers-Briggs sort of leaves room for those kinds of nuances within each personality type. Um, so that's, that's why I like it. And also the theory that it can't, that it doesn't change, that it's part of how you're wired. I agree with that theory mm -hmm. uh, that we're, we're born with not as blank slates, but wired to be a particular way. Sure. Um, so Myers-Briggs is for sure my favorite. I have enjoyed reading about the Enneagram recently. Um, and there's different opinions about the Enneagram in terms of whether it pairs well with Myers-Briggs or not. Mm -hmm. I happen to think it's a useful supplement to Myers-Briggs. Sure. Um, for instance, my son, my oldest son, who's 13, is a very different personality type for me in terms of Myers-Briggs. He's mm -hmm. an INTP. But I suspect that he and I are the same number on the Enneagram, which to me explains why he and I are similar in a lot of ways, even though our personalities are actually quite different. Um, and is there so a I, I think it's useful for that. Can take this test online? Because I'm going to link you. There's somewhere that people can take the uh, Enneagram. Did I say that right? Yeah, um, I think I might have sent you a link to one of them. Um, okay. I don't feel like there's there are any like excellent online Enneagram tests at this point. Um, it's probably a little more helpful to just read about each of them and okay. sort of self-assess. But uh, that one that I sent you is, is a pretty decent one. 
All right. So I'll include, I'll include information about that for sure in, uh, okay. in the show notes so that people get to that. And with that test, right, there's a, there's a main number and then there's like a wing or something. Oh like yeah. That? It's yeah. <laughs> so you have your, there's nine numbers, uh-huh. you have your main number and then it's they're they're written out in a circle one through nine and so every number has a number on either side of it so Mm -hmm. i'm a nine uh the number on either side for me is an eight and a one um and so for every number you lean one way or the other to sort of um add some depth to so like as a nine i don't lean toward lean towards the eight i lean towards the one uh but then you also have other numbers that you go to in stress and other numbers that you go to in health. And it starts to get, um, you know, kind of confusing if you're not, if you're not paying close attention. So you had mentioned, uh, that the, you got, you and your son, you share, um, different personality types, but you probably share the same number on the Enneagram. Yes. So how has that helped you, um, maybe relate better to your son or understand him a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, well, so I said that he's an INTP and INTPs are known for being, um, much more introverted than some, uh, they tend to be the most introverted of the introverts, uh, very analytical, uh, they're observers, they're scientist types, um, or that's sort of the stereotype about them. Um, and he is analytical. He is all of those things. But he also has a very good sense for how other people are feeling. He's very compassionate. Um, And INTPs aren't necessarily always the most relational of the personality types. Um, And I wouldn't say that he's super duper relational, but he's, he definitely just has a lot of empathy. Um, And I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is a peacemaker. And if he's a nine also, which I think that he is, that would kind of make sense that as as a peacemaker, as a nine on the Enneagram, he would sort of use that analytical side to be observing people and wanting to create peace between people. Um, so his, his analysis of things, his logic, um, isn't necessarily geared towards, you know, scientific things or, or projects like that, but maybe geared a little more towards people. And, and that's interesting because I think, again, uh, just talking about how some of these other tests can round out uh, the Myers-Briggs test, for instance, like that might be an insight that you skip over or don't realize just going off of the Myers-Briggs test where, you know, the stereotype for his personality is more of a scientific, which when you describe that, that personality type, it doesn't exactly scream empathy, you know, right. but it turns out he has you know, a ton of it. So, uh, as far as personality types go, um, and maybe it's because Myers-Briggs is just everywhere, you know, it just seems uh-huh. to be like one of those things that's been, uh, developed, um, at least, you know, I mean, uh, at least in modern, at least in modern times, um, and with, you know, modern research and so on and so forth. Um, if you started there and you really wanted to learn a little bit more about yourself, um, and the practical impl- and, and whatever pra- practical implications are, um, which, which personality test would you recommend? After taking Myers-Briggs? Yep. Um, probably strength finders or Enneagram. Okay. And uh, what about chronotypes? <laughs> well, that one's new for me. I just came across it recently, and I think it's really interesting, but I don't have a whole lot of insight to add to it. But yeah, chronotypes has, has to do, I mean, chrono, that's time. It has to do mm-hmm. with 
uh, when you're at your best and when you're at your worst. And there's a fun quiz online called the power of one quiz. And uh, it lets you know what your sleep schedule is like, whether you're someone who is up early in the morning, raring to go, or somebody who likes to stay up late and get things done into the wee hours or somebody who needs a lot of sleep or has fitful sleep. Um, so it starts with how you sleep and then kind of builds out a schedule of your day based on what your sleep style is like. So the best times of day to have coffee or the best times of day to schedule meetings or the best times of day to exercise based on what your chronotype is. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that stuff especially has been uh, fascinating. And I, I, you know, learning about my personality and Chris's personality and, and how to work together was a huge eye opener. Um, but lately we've been talking a little bit more about that. Uh, Daniel Pink wrote a, a great book um, that's fairly new called when the, the science of time, I think that's the, the subtitle I'll link to it in the, in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he talks a little bit about chronotypes and he talks about it in terms of being a, a lark or an owl. And okay. he has a test that he links to. Um, and it's a little bit different. Uh, the one, I like the one that you link to because uh, I feel like maybe it's a little bit more developed and you get a, you know, you get like a, each result is named after an animal, uh-huh. you know, uh, which I thought was, which I thought was super fun. But I think it's just eye opening in terms of like actually scheduling your day. Um, mm-hmm. And I, for somebody who, runs their own business, you know? So if you're you're working for yourself, I think it'd be especially valuable because, um, you know, like you can, you can set up your day so that you're, when you're most productive is when you're doing your, you know, biggest and and hardest tasks for the, for the day. Um, so I found that one, uh, you know, super interesting in in particular, uh, especially for somebody who runs, um, their own business and sets their own schedule. Yes, absolutely. Do you remember your result for that one? I am lion. And what is it? Do you, do you remember like kind of the background around being a lion? Well, so in terms of the sleep schedule, it is one who tends to be up earlier in the morning. Um, and then goes to bed a little bit earlier at night, which is accurate. Now he was, uh, sharing the the guy who developed that, that Mm -hmm. quiz in that book, he was sharing some observations as a sleep therapist that he had gained from talking to sleep patients over the years. And for people who are lions, they also have a tendency to be sort of type A go-getter types. And uh, the way he described it was in extreme enough terms that I didn't feel like I really (laughs) fell into that category. Um, And yet the way he broke down the daily schedule, I definitely related to as I looked at where he had placed things in the day for lion lion types, it all definitely made sense. And so the way he extrapolated personality from that didn't strike quite as close to home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual scheduling component of it did. Yeah. I think that, I think the same was pretty much true of me. I think I identified more less with like kind of the anecdotal stuff that he included around the results and more with, um, the daily schedule and when to, you know, when's best. I even came across an article, um, and I, my result was a bear and, um, he had put together for the person who was writing this article, who was also a bear, an ideal schedule for her, you know? So uh-huh. it was interesting reading through that article and seeing what he recommended the activities that you do at certain times during the day. Um, and, and that was something that I really identified with, but I think that, um, you know, what's interesting about going kind of the, down the rabbit hole of personality types is even as you come across, um, maybe something like the Enneagram, which, you know, who knows how much like scientific evidence necessarily research backs up, 
um, kind of the results that you see. I think there's still value in kind of processing this stuff, you know, just becoming a little bit more self-aware um, so that you can, you know, understand your own blind spots and uh, relate to others better. Yes. Uh, there's a book about the Enneagram called The Road Back to You by uh, Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabile. And in the introduction to that, Ian Crone was saying, he, he was sort of defending the Enneagram against those who would say it doesn't have enough scientific backing. And he said that his concern isn't so much about whether it's all been scientifically validated so much as whether it's useful. And he believes very strongly that it's useful. And so he wants to, he wants to keep sharing about it and helping people with it. Yeah, that makes sense, especially for something that's been around for as long as it's been around. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. if, it, if it wasn't useful, uh, it wouldn't have uh, stood uh, the test of time for sure. Right. All right. So uh, one of my one of my favorite extensions of um, the Myers Briggs test, and this is what, it was one of my favorite parts of the leadership program. And this is their language, I think, right? Um, Giants yes. language. It, it's the five voices, mm -hmm. and uh, the five voices are. Uh, let me see if I can remember these: uh, pioneer, creative connector, nurturer, and guardian. Yep. And so depending on what your personality type is, generally one of those five voices correspond with uh, your personality type. But yep. like I said, there's, um, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, it's like being right-handed and left-handed. You probably have all five voices, but a couple of them are more dominant than the others. Mm -hmm. um, and again, just one of those, one of those things, and this is a book that you can go check out. Um, Krista being a guardian, you know, somebody that uh, stereotypically tends to be a little bit better with, uh, with money, um, ask those questions, you know? So when I yeah. come up with ideas, she's, she's going to ask those questions and kind of vet that out before mm -hmm. ever like really committing to it and getting ex before she gets excited about it. Um, whereas I tend to be a pioneer, um, and you know, for, for better or worse, sometimes tend to be the loudest voice in the room, you know, and kind of always pushing us, uh, forward. Yeah. So where do you, where would you fall on those five voices? Yeah, so uh, I am a nurturer. That's my first one. And guardian is second for me. And um, they base that around what your middle two letters are of your Myers-Briggs personality type, um, which as a side note is my favorite way to sort of uh, group personality types together. There, there's some different theories on the best way to kind of group them together. But I think personalities that share the middle two letters tend to be the most similar to each other. Um, not always, of course, but, um, you definitely see some, some patterns there. And so generally speaking, other people with SF in the middle are nurturers like me, um, with, uh, it may depend what's second, but in my case, guardian is second. So nurturing is caring for people and making sure that people and relationships are running smoothly. Guardian is making sure that systems are running smoothly. Yeah. And that makes sense that Krista then would be a guardian. She's an ST, but her mm -hmm. second one is nurturer. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's funny. She, I think she's actually kind of surprised, uh, getting that, you know, um, oh. but it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, she's always, you know, just in different ways, um, maybe a different way than the stereotypical way of just looking out for somebody. But if somebody tells her, you know, if we're hosting somebody, she can remember things in conversations, you know, years before that they mentioned and she'll account for those things, whether it be like a food allergy or like, Oh, I remember they really liked this meal, you know, yeah. things that I would just have never remembered. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so this stuff is all, uh, this stuff is all super interesting. Now, if we wanted to learn more and explore more of this kind of stuff, where should we go? You can check out signsoflife.com. 
um, or Signs of Life on iTunes. And like you said earlier, it's S-I-N-E-S, Signs of Life, um, which is sort of an inside personality joke, <laughs> the way we came up with that title. Um, but we talk all about personality there, and um, we will frequently reference other resources as well um, on our podcast. But uh, yeah, my friend Jen and I, we just explore personality and the ramifications of understanding who you are and how you're wired. And uh, something else that people should visit is uh, elisajoyful.com uh, for sure. Um, you also are a, a very talented writer. And even uh, and a lot of things that you write about um, wouldn't necessarily be things that I am like by nature drawn to. You know, a lot of what you write about is is motherhood and being uh, um, and fostering. Um, yeah you know, different anecdotes there. Um, but I really enjoy it. Um, so I just, again, speaks to, uh, I think, you know, how I think about you as a writer. Um, so people should totally, uh, check out, uh, elisajoyful.com. And, um, I will also link to, uh, you know, the other places that people will be able to find you. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, that's Thanks for listening to the Brands That Book podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving a review so that others are more likely to find it. For show notes and other resources, visit DavianKrista.com.